You're listening to Cosplay Bites, the podcast that takes a closer look at the world of cosplay, conventions, and all the nerdy bits and bites. Brought to you by the Lightning Palace and proudly sponsored by Anchor. Join me as I discuss a variety of topics and conventions alongside the joy of bringing your favorite characters to life. All right. Good morning or whatever time zone you're in. Um, here I've got another episode of Cosplay Bite, the show about cosplay conventions and all that fun stuff. Um, I just wanted to say at the top of the show, um, thank you guys so much for all the support and advice you guys have given me over the years um, of doing this because this is a milestone for myself and the show. Uh, it's episode 50 and... It's a solo run for this time around um, because I'm going to be devolving all about um, PAX Online, which happened throughout the course of this entire week and had started from last uh, weekend. But before we do that, uh, just the usual admin stuff um, over on my blog. You can check out some features and even some posts. Um, regarding packs online so um what do i have here i've got a special showcase on all the body paintings that cosplayer uh Intraventus had done over the years since she started doing it on twitch um i've got features on chibi tifa's elizabeth from the bioshock infinite dlc uh starner cosplay supergirl and an upcoming showcase on Christy Che's uh, Paya from Breath of the Wild. And as far as the packed online stuff is considered, um, I have a impressions post on a game called When the Past Was Around, which was a collaborative effort by uh, Mojikin Studios and Toge Productions, who you might remember as the devs behind um, Coffee Talk, which had been one of my favorite games um, this year. And then we're going to just hop on over to my Patreon. Um, just a shout out to my lovely patrons for the month of September. I've got uh, Kendall, Nicole Marie Jean, Noah, Mink the Seder, Kat Yuska Moonfox, Oh My Sophie, Coralia Jade, and Shaylin. And with that being said, um, yeah. So PAX Online, it happened throughout the course of this week. Um, I was lucky enough to get a media pass to cover it for the show. And so what I did was that I just hopped onto their website, took a peek at some of their schedule, and picked out some panels that I wanted to attend, sort of. Um, I think most of the time I ended up just watching it the next day because all their panels were um, broadcasted on Twitch throughout um, three channels that they had. And I also did a few uh, developer interviews because, like, when you get on a media list, um, you get bombarded with a lot of uh, indie game um, invitations to set up interviews. Um, there were some that I wasn't able to get in just because of the um, lack of communication, but... For the ones that I did, um, they were games that I was heavily interested in, and at this point in time, uh, it sounds like they're games that I definitely want to check out in the near future. Um, yeah, so we'll just uh, kick it off with um, 
the psychology of Final Fantasy panel that I uh, watched. Um, this was this was done by a couple of uh, individuals who all have background in psychology. Um, they all actually collaborated on and wrote a book titled the same thing, Psychology of Final Fantasy, which actually had me very interested to eventually pick it up and read it. Um, I was very reminded of the um, this book that I have um, detailing the, it's not psychology, but more so like the philosophy of uh, World of Warcraft. And this was when I was heavily into playing that game. But similar kind of vibe, just um, talking about certain aspects of the uh, field of interest and how it relates to World of Warcraft. So this was, again, all about the psychology aspect of Final Fantasy. So... I'm just peeking at my notes here. Um, they discussed various elements of psychology and how it's portrayed in the series. Um, and out of all of it, um, Final Fantasies 10 and 6 were heavily referenced. Um, they talked about gender subtypes, which I then made a separate section. Um, so they detailed stuff like characters with built-in roles. So one reference was, you know, Cloud... Um, from Final Fantasy VII, um, his aspect, his stats, um, made her made him more of a fighter rather than a magic user. So then you could also say the same regarding like Aerith, who usually would be devolved um, or relegated to being a healer or a very heavy, heavily strong magic user. I know in the case of like Final Fantasy VII remake, um, her heals were just insane as she gained more levels and gained more stats and leveled up her materia. Um, as far as gender subtypes go, um, usually they reference um, Final Fantasy X with uh, Yuna, how she she's like the white mage or the summoner, so she had mainly the healing role. But um, typically characters in that field, in that um, role would be sort of considered like a mother figure, which I found to be very accurate in that aspect. Um, they mentioned, you know, the storytelling with um, character development, how most Final Fantasy games, they followed a certain, like, age-old structure of storytelling. And um, this really involved, like, you know, they have an introduction, um, development throughout the story, the eventual, like, twist. So... I think they referenced um, Final Fantasy VI in that regard. So they had... Oh, sorry. Just, I had to make a fresh cup of coffee to help get me through this. Um, so yeah, um, in terms of Final Fantasy VI, I think the twist that everyone saw was uh, when Kafka um, betrayed um, the Emperor from uh, the Empire and ended up becoming the main big bad throughout the whole story. So they have the twist, and then they have the conclusion. And then, yeah, so six, it was referenced, like, the ultimate, their ultimate conflict um, was with Kefka, um, other key elements. Um, various characters have inner conflicts within themselves, and I think one conflict that I can re uh, remember at the top of my head was... Um, with Lulu from Final Fantasy X, how she has some regrets with her previous pilgrimages that she'd been on with other summoners that ended up failing, either 
stopping midway or having the summoner themselves um, die in the process. So, like, each of the panelists in that um, overall topic, um, they covered certain chapters within this book. And so they had one person um, do um, be subjugated to <laughs> a genocidal cult and religion, which um, they kind of played along with that, how I guess this person um, is always given, like, the very... Um, depressing and sad topic whenever they collaborate on books together. So for this um, area, they, you know, they talked about Final Fantasy X heavily with Yevin, Makina, um, Waka just being a straight-up racist and then how he has his whole um, religious ideas just crumbling before him as he discovered harsh truths about Yevin. Um, they talked about like parasocial relationships, um, cognitive dissonance. Um, and then you had another panelist who was, um, uh, what's the word? I'm, uh, I don't think subjugated is the right word, like, um, designated. That's the one, um, designated for like, uh, trauma. And so they talked about, um, many traumas such as moving or pet dying or, and then big traumas such as like death of a loved one and things that you were taught as growing up being a straight up lie, like as you grow older, like those are the two types of traumas. So in this regard, uh, Final Fantasy X was referenced where you had uh, Titus with his dad, um, which was in this space sort of like a big trauma, how... You know, Jet wasn't a very good father and, like, leaving, trying to read my own handwriting. <laughs> uh, ba -ba -ba. Oh, um, Titus learning that he was, that he actually is competent, but um, also the stuff that happened between Titus and his mom due to um, Jet's uh, treatment of them. And then they also referenced um, Seymour with his mom and how she just died straight up in front of him. Um, memories also referenced, and it was a really fascinating panel. I mean, Final Fantasy is a very special, um, series for me as just a person and as I've grown throughout my gaming life. So it was a really interesting panel to talk about, and I was definitely interested in eventually grabbing the book at some point later this year. And then... It wasn't really, so there was this panel about, it was titled, um, Did Animal Crossing Save Our Souls? And it, while Animal Crossing was referenced, this was more along the lines of just gaming in the current, you know, COVID-19 pandemic style. Um, the rate of playtime during the pandemic. So it's been noted that a lot of people have been spending a lot more time online, like a lot more time gaming with Fortnite um, and now you have like these other popular games like Fall Guys and Among Us. Um, but it also has been very helpful for some people in just not feeling so alone and feeling like things aren't going to get better because certain games like that, um, they're connecting with others virtually, whether you're playing together with a team on Fortnite or actually, I don't even know if there's teams involved, but um, like. I know I've been watching certain YouTube videos um, 
regarding uh, Fall Guys playthrough and just, you know, laughing way too much um, and just having a blast throughout the whole thing. So those were the panels. Um, another panel I did um, watch and really didn't take any notes was a um, it was a history of Zelda's um, music, and it was brought to us by um, various individuals that are part of the uh, Zelda universe community, which is one of the more well-known slash largest um, Zelda collective like dead database fan sites around. Um, I know I definitely have used them in the past regarding like walkthroughs for um, Ocarina of Time and other certain Zelda games. I think Majora's Mask was another one that I used their site for. But, you know, they talked about like their favorite soundtrack and how um, it generates like feelings amongst them and like the type of music that they've been. Um, they went um, chronologically how you have the original Legend of Zelda um, with such with the uh, hardware limitation that they had, how they've been able to create such lasting um, music and like musical cues that are still um, prevalent to this day in more modern Zelda titles. So you have, you know, like The Legend of Zelda for the NES, um, other titles like Link to the Past, Link of Awakening, uh, Wind Waker was referenced, uh, Twilight Princess, you know, Ocarina of Time. Um, I, I don't remember too much, but I just know that they talked about like their favorite soundtrack, their favorite, their personal favorite song, and just how the franchise has evolved musically throughout the years up until um, Breath of the Wild, which came out a couple years back. Um, so those were the panels that I attended, sort of. Um, they had, so PAX had their whole Discord server, which I was invited to be a part of. And like during the panel, like, so a lot of these panels, they were pre-recorded. Um, for the convention and so when they went live some of the panelists in their respective like twitch channel discord servers um they would like a pop up and appear while the panel was going on to answer questions that others might have had like as they were listening to the panel um i know one podcast that i've actually started to really get into is the um play watch listen panel which was held by um alana pierce um featuring also um mike bithel who was a game director uh austin wintry who was a game composer and they also had uh troy baker who is one of the most well-known um voice actors that you probably have seen in the gaming community right now so they did a live uh recording for their show and they were actually celebrating their 30th show so I ended up watching it the next day, you know, due to work and all that. So, um, definitely check them out. Um, some of their episodes, they have, they have their main topics, but then much like this show, they go on various tangents and others will like take control of the show and just have it go in a very crazy direction. Um, as I mentioned before, um, <clears throat> I managed to get some developer interviews in. So, um, two games in particular, um, one was known as Dreamscaper, and so it really caught my eye with the premise of it, and then looking more into the, um, like on their Steam page, like it's currently in, um, an early access beta, 
and I talked with two of the uh, developers. Um, I believe it's a three-person team, if I remember correctly. But so it's Dreamscaper. It's a roguelike action RPG where you take control of the main character known as Cassidy, who has moved to a brand new um, city to escape her inner demons, as they've called it. And so it ended up being... So it's honestly sort of... We were talking about it, and I made the comparison. So it's split into like two certain sections. So they have the daytime section where you interact with other people in this new city, uh, form relationships, friendships with other people. And as a result, um, it ends up giving you like certain like stat boost, um, armor, new items for when you traverse your dreams, um, at night. So they referenced, um, that, Fire Emblem Three Houses had an impact on this idea that they had for Dreamscaper, but then I also brought up Persona 5, which they hadn't played, but they also um, noted that that was another game that people ended up comparing itself to. Um, so these three people, three individuals, um, they worked together at a previous studio before um, coming together for making Dreamscaper. So... Um, yeah, they have inspiration from games like Binding of Isaac, um, the top-down styles of Zelda. So, um, heavily referencing, like, item economy, exploration, um, strategic elements from God of War with inspiration for them. Um, so they talked a little bit more about the game. Um, I asked a couple of questions. One such one was... Um, what were the um, most fun and most difficult aspects of this game? Um, and both of them kind of joked around saying, you know, both fun and difficult in the terms of working to working with their close friends. Um, like the chemistry that they've had with generating ideas. And then one other difficult aspect um, was the aspect of like marrying these various ideas and how it was tough to like get them all together to sort of mesh and just work cohesively. Um, but they also, at the end of the interview, they mentioned how they um, are actively taking feedback um, and that their whole community for Dreamscaper um, is just very lively, um, constantly updating um they were hoping, so it's currently in Steam, early access beta. Um, they did mention that it will eventually be ported to the Nintendo Switch. So that definitely got me interested, and I am most certainly going to be checking out the game uh, when it comes out. So, and the other game that I looked into um, was done by a studio known as Burgo Studios. So I actually talked with the um, head of the studio. Um, is titled uh, Neko Ghost Jump. So it involves a cat um, traversing these various worlds. I think like the main enemy are like dog space pirates, from what I can recall from looking at like their Steam page and whatnot. Um, so this actually ended up being a game jam project that they wanted to um, pursue even further and turn into a full game. 
Um, it started out as three people, and now the studio now has currently ten. Um, it's their first commercial game for the company. Um, it's very easy to manage, and they're viewing it as a very experimental uh, learning experience um, for them should they continue on making other games. Um, the person that I talked to with, uh, Victor, he said that um, why when I asked why a cat, um, he honestly said, you know, most people just love cats, you know, talking about like the various like cat videos that they you'll find online on social media. And he actually referenced a previous game that he worked on, also dealt with cats, or very, that kawaii, uh, cute nature. Um, so the way I saw it was, um, <clears throat> it's 2D and 3D, like, through, like, a flipping mechanism, very similar to, I don't know if you guys have played, um, Super Paper Mario before, but the whole you know, walking around in 2D, but then flipping into 3D to see other hidden things that you weren't able to see before. Um, and this whole 2D, 3D flip was actually part of the overall game jam theme um, when they were working on it. Um, the cuteness is 100% intentional. Um, there are also um, various uh, skins that you can decorate your cat with, which has been a very... A fun part for them to work on. Um, they wanted to make a family-friendly game. Um, more so having an age range of like four or five-year-olds up to your grandparents. Um, and then much like the Dreamscaper interview, um, I asked, you know, what was the most fun and frustrating part of the game? So um, for Victor, he said um, working with his fellow team members was very fun as well as just having that initial reaction of seeing other people, like, play their games. So, and that I can totally understand, you know, you're bringing, you're, like, bringing your brand-new game for, like, a test run at a convention and then just nervous to see how other players would react. Um, but then seeing, like, their faces light up, um, that gives you a whole different kind of feeling, like, oh, well, maybe I can definitely then... Like, they have the inspiration and motivation to keep on going. And he also referenced um, how, for the frustrating end, you know, they have, you know, funding difficulties. Um, their Kickstarter, which ended in August. And as of right now, um, Neko Ghost Jump is, it has a demo, as well as the prologue de uh, section over on Steam. So that... Was all the notes that I took um, for PAX Online. Um, it was a very fun, interesting convention. Um, I definitely just had a blast by peeking through their schedules. Um, honestly, I think this more so worked out in favor for people that are working from home, where they can watch the panels from, like on Twitch constantly. Like that didn't really work out for me because of my shift. Uh, with my uh, real life job, so I ended up like I could have um, spent time looking at the morning panels, but thankfully they kept a lot of the stuff like for um, next day viewing. Um, I know there were some difficulties with the um, psychology of Final Fantasy panel where it didn't seem like the full panel was um, viewable because as I was watching it, um, 
the stream quote unquote ended. And then like I tried to go to the next corresponding like stream like as it would continue on but it didn't really pick up so i didn't get to see the full uh psychology of final vanity panel um let's see <coughs> yeah so they pretty yeah they so they combined um pax west and pax australia into pax online um it didn't so it seemed like to me that this was a giant, giant um, indie showcase kind of event. Because normally for packs, you would have like these other giant developers or giant companies. Like, you know, they have like the Discord booth and the Facebook gaming group and Twitch and all that. And then you'd have other companies like Nintendo would have their booth. Um, maybe PlayStation would have their booth. But there really wasn't anything for them to announce because... um. We are also currently in the midst um, of a generation um, upgrade, like a generation shift. So I guess for that um, aspect, you know, Xbox and PlayStation, they've had their own like mini conferences, showcases, showcasing their upcoming um, consoles. So you have the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5, but then you also have like they're also secondary models which are more specifically um digital um as far as that's concerned um i told myself you know get an xbox or no not an xbox uh sorry <laughs> oh my god um sorry to all you xbox fans out there um i'm gonna be sticking with a playstation 5 and since i've been experimenting with having a digital only uh switch um i'm most likely going to be sticking with the digital only playstation 5 um i'm torn on whether should i just pre-order it now when i'm able to find it or just wait a couple of months like maybe into the new year as more games have been coming out because as of right now we have the uh spider-man miles morales um, the new Assassin's Creed, the new Call of Duty, the upcoming sequel to the hit uh, God of War reboot, which I have told myself repeatedly to try that game out, especially since I have friends um, who work at uh, Sony's Santa Monica studio. So it's very exciting to see a sequel to God of War being in development. Um, they also actually announced a... Um, the next uh, mainline Final Fantasy title, which definitely has um, an interesting look to it. Like the past titles have been more modernized, but this seems to be going back to their fantasy roots, a la like what Final Fantasy IX did. And it has some people from the um, Final Fantasy XIV MMO being in charge of its development, and I could definitely see that in regards to the art style. Of how some of the characters look. So definitely going to be keeping an eye on that. Um, as of right now. I've actually been playing through. Um, the recently released. Uh, Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Which is a collection of. You know Super Mario 64. Sunshine and Galaxy. As part of uh, the franchise. 35th anniversary. Uh, as of. <laughs> 
it's funny because I mean I I posted this online before you know you just got there are some games where you just know the like the back of your hand because you played it so much or it was so ingrained into your childhood. Um, that's what Super Mario sixty four is to me. In so much that you know the game came out Friday, it's now like the third day of me having it, and I have currently a uh, hundred and twelve out of the usual 120 uh, stars amount. So, uh, yeah, I've been plowing through that game like nobody's business. I've just been having a lot of fun with it. Um, maybe I'll go into Sunshine after that. After that, um, And then Galaxy, you know, just play them in order. Um, I mean, I definitely could try to slow it down a little bit. To try and make this collection last. But it's been a lot of fun. And then currently also on my game radar. Um, I also pre-ordered the upcoming uh, Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory for the Switch. Um, which is more so. It's a Kingdom Hearts rhythm game. Similar to previous uh, titles from Square Enix. Like uh, Theater Rhythm Final Fantasy. And then Theater Rhythm Final Fantasy uh, Curtain Call. Um, so that should be a lot of fun to play as. And then I think eventually I will get, um, God of War for the PS4 and just play through that. So, uh, why are the numbers turning red? Uh, I don't know. Uh, oh, that's why. So, uh, yeah. That's pretty much it. Um, just thank you guys so much for all the support. In letting me do this. Um, if you want to support me. You can check out my Patreon. Or become a supporter. Through Anchor itself. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed listening. To this special milestone episode. About Pac-Man Online. And I will be recording a new one. Soon. So please look forward to that. And hope you guys are staying safe. I will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to leave a review and feedback. You can also support the show through Anchor's listener support or on my Patreon, patreon.com slash lightningpalace. For more cosplay news and coverage, visit the Lightning Palace on Blogspot and follow Lightning Palace on Twitter and Instagram. See you all next time.